Hello and welcome to Numbers on the Boards, presented by Fanboys, the official toy store of the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. Now, I'm going to keep it real with you. I put up zero points every single night. I've never gotten a rebound or an assist or a steal or a block. But joining me today is a man who's never afraid to crash the glass, never afraid to dish a crisp pass, and never shy gunning for 60. He is the legend himself, the great Jeff Skin. Wade, Skin, what is your career high in pickup, organized, whatever? What's what's the most you've ever gone for? 42. 42? It was a, uh, a rec league game at Signature Club over at uh, Preston, and I guess that's Beltline. It was a, it's a pretty good play. It was a pretty good place to play in the early 90s, and I shot a ton of threes. And it wasn't a very good team. I was probably our second best player, which means we didn't win much. Uh, but yes, don't be modest. I did drop. I did drop forty-two in a game. Wow, dude, that is amazing. And that's that's twos and threes, or is that ones and twos? Because ones and twos. No, that's like... two, that's twos. It's twos and threes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, twos right. and threes. Still, yeah, I mean, it was a it's a legit game, running clock, refs, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a city league. Well, what are you doing on Sunday at one thirty? Do you want to do you want to suit up for the Mavs? Yeah, man, I'm ready to just tear it up. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm in they, peak condition right now, Bob. They need some help. We'll we'll talk about all that is ailing uh, in both segments coming up on the show. I uh, hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the great wide world, whether you're listening on 97.1 The Freak, whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, whether you're watching us on YouTube, wherever you are. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend. You got Bobby and Skin here to break down the good and also the bad. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, so we don't know just how badly the Mavs beat down the Miami Heat on Friday, but what we do know is that defense has been a bit of an issue, Skin, and it feels like, for those who who heard or read Jason Kidd's quotes after that Atlanta game, the Mavs lost 130 to 122. They've given up 130 points, I think, in three straight games as of that game. Jason Kidd's comments after that game felt pretty significant. He said, you know, these are direct quotes. It's like a shoot-around. Um, we can score 120, which is great, but the other team is going to give up 150, but at least it'll, it won't look too bad because we're still scoring and everyone's happy to score. Uh, he said, with this personnel, it's going to be hard mm -hmm. to defend. Felt very much like you're – you're kind of drawing your line in the sand and you're asking the guys in the locker room, like, are, are, do you want to be a part of this or not? Uh, because defense has been an issue for about a month now. Yeah. Uh, we, we kind of, uh, I mean, you can only give guys a pass for so long, but we said, well, there's no Josh, there's no Dorian, there's no Maxi shrug. Um, but there's still pros like they got to go. They got to go play both ends of the floor. And, you know, I think that's why I think it's fair to go, well, Reggie's D and his ass off, but he went like a month and a half where he couldn't hit a shot. And now he's hitting shots too, right? And that's that's fantastic. You, you have to play both ends of the floor. Um, I think it's solvable, uh, especially when you look at what they did last year with basically the same guys. I mean, you take Jalen out of the lineup, and I would argue he was one of their weaker defenders. 
but he, dude, he competed. So, um, so I, I think like, you know, for this team to have a better defensive identity, it's got to come from Dorian and it's got to come from Josh and it's got to come from Maxie and Reggie. Those are the guys that have always done that sort of heavy lifting. Uh, I do think Christian Woods, you know, kind of, done better in terms of uh, being a shot blocking presence and some of those kinds of things. That's not what defense is about, but that's a part of it. And that helps, but yeah, it's really, you know, for Jason Kidd to go say that publicly, he's trying to get those guys to just compete harder. And I think like last night, if you're watching that, you're like, are we ever going to tag the role, man? How many were just, okay. They dunked again. last, Last night felt like, do you remember the, uh, I guess that would have been the 2000 and is that the 2008 series against New Orleans? Was that that year? You're bringing back Tyson bad Chandler. memories, dude. Yeah. Bad memories. And it was like, oh, Tyson Chandler dunked again. Wow. Although the funny thing about that, just to, to show how much basketball has changed, the only guy on that roster that took threes was Peja. And the fact that like the, the Hornets were running pick and roll and had a three-point shooter on the floor, that was enough to be like, what do we do? Right. How do we stop this? This is like the space age. I'm glad you went there with the Roman, though, because the Mavs are, it's kind of hard to tell what they were trying to do against Trey. You know, they they were kind of sending, I guess they were like showing a little bit. They were kind of playing up to the touch. Like they were putting two guys on him, but not really committing to the blitz, right? So they're still allowing him to take a dribble. Um, It's not like these hard double teams like we see teams do to Luka all the time. But whenever you allow, like if you're coming up toward closer to the action and Trey Young's got the ball, you know he's quick, you know he can turn the corner on you, you know he can move, you know he's got vision, you kind of have to like make him a little uncomfortable. But he was able to turn the corner off of these picks, and sure, there's two guys around him, but they're not really pressuring him, they're not really hurrying him, they're not really like getting a hand in his face, and so he's still able to read the whole floor. Like all that they're accomplishing is just preventing him from taking an 18-footer, which like sure, that's cool, I guess. But that's at the cost of leaving John Collins in the corner wide open all night long and also leaving Clint Capella or Onyeko Okongwu open at the rim all night long. And it just felt like like what you were saying, just everything just came just too easy, just too easy. And that's been the big trend. You know, credit to Atlanta, too, for shooting the absolute heck out of the ball. DeJounte Murray, I think, went 200% on mid-range shots in that game. And and it, it felt so like, good. you know, Portland, very similar thing. Portland, you know, it, it felt like their shooting percentages were higher than they were, but they just were hitting every mid-range shot. So, like, these teams lately have been hitting the tougher shots, but they're getting way too many easy shots, too. And that's been the trend, right? Like, the Mavs over the last couple years haven't necessarily had the defensive personnel of, like, a top-10 defense. But what they've been very good at is just taking away the easy stuff, limiting the number of shots at the rim limiting the number of corner threes but for the last you know like you said because of all these guys have been out for the last few weeks it's just been a heavy dose especially early in games especially the first five six minutes of games it is kind of a, a layup line I mean like you think back to that Atlanta game you think back to the Lakers game you think back to a lot of these games recently feels like teams have like 16 18 points in the first four minutes of the game and it's all just dunk 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 layup dunk layup layup and it's like straight line drives it's lobs it's fast breaks it's like it's just all of the stuff that have that the kind of the hallmark of the Mavs defense in the Luka era has been you limit those you know you dare them to make the tough stuff but it's just been it's just been way too many way too many easy things lately 
Yeah, and they got, boy, they started off with seven turnovers in the first quarter last night, which that was a really bad tone. But I think, like, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, kid is doing any kind of mind games or anything like that. But you do, it's a long season, and then you do allow excuses to creep in to account for uh, lapses. And so, you know, it's pretty obvious, okay, we don't have our guys, so we're going to have to really lean in on offense, right? And they did that. They leaned in on offense, and they allowed some bad habits to develop out of necessity. I mean, I, again, I'm not, I'm not excusing anybody. you got to compete. But let's face it, you know, your personnel is what your personnel is. And if you're missing three of your four best defensive players, that's a problem. So uh, I think that what he's doing there is it's kind of like, oh, I don't know, real famously it was done when uh, when we were playing the Rockets in the playoffs and there was all this back and forth about the kind of screens that Yao Ming was setting. And then there was fines and it set the tone for how people were reacting to stuff. I think like making a public statement about that that goes and that leads to people talking about it on podcasts and writing about it in articles. And then it becomes a part of the, the public conversation. I don't think that was a, um, I don't think that was a slip of the tongue by Jason Kidd. I think he very much wanted people out there talking about, Whoa, what is he saying? What is this about? Because, you know, these are dudes that have pride and uh, you need to have accountability. And I, it's, it would have been easy for him to go out there and say, it was the first game back with Josh and Dorian. We've got to work our way back to it. Instead, he said, with this personnel, and that includes Josh and Dorian. And from my mind, I did not go back and rewatch the game. From my mind, there was tons of middle-of-the-floor pick-and-roll stuff that led to the easiest buckets in the world, which is incredibly frustrating because that conceivably should be the type of pick-and-roll you do the best job of corralling, especially with the lane stuff. And then on top of that just jumping off the floor to me calling the game last night, I thought Josh Green competed way harder than anybody defensively, and it wasn't close. Uh, I thought Reggie, you know, on the ball stuff competed. Um, but I think it's very specific to not go out after the game and say, well, we have to get our guys worked back. And instead he came out and said, with this personnel, we just, you know, we're not playing D, right? And so that's that's a pretty strong assertion, and I think it's pretty strategic. Yeah, two things about that, and then I, I do want to talk about Dorian and Josh coming back and, and seeing them on the floor. But first, you know, you only have so many uh, so many cards to play, right, throughout the year. You only have so many in the chamber. Um, you can't just take a dump on the roster after every single loss. You know, this this isn't right. like this is this is kind of the you know you're the head coach. This is like real life. You know, you can lose them very quickly. So you only get like one or two or three blow ups. You only get one or two players only meetings all season. You know, like. You, you you have to choose the right time. And J-Kid, you know, usually very measured with his words. He's a quiet guy. He's not super animated on the sideline. And I would bet he's probably not super animated in the locker room either. But last season, there was a homestand where the Mavs played the Cavs and then the Wizards, or maybe the Wizards and then the Cavs. This was like late November, early December. And both of those teams just came in here and curb stomped Dallas. I'm talking like out muscled them, outworked them, out hustled them. Everything it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, that Cavs game was one of the worst defensive performances I've seen the team play in the last decade. Oh, it was, it was awful. Horrific. It was awful. And and in the Wizards game, they were losing the whole game, and then they were making this comeback, and then all of a sudden, it's just like Daniel Gafford must have got ten offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Just like just straight up, just got worked, got punked, got really just like yeah, just got out muscled. 
And after those games, Jake Kidd said, this team isn't built to play defense. And, you know, he's saying kind of the same thing, but that team, you know, it took a little bit longer because of COVID absences and all that stuff. But throughout the month of December, they got way better. And then in January, they took off. And so hopefully, you know, it doesn't take a month for them to turn it around this time like it did last season. But it felt like last year there was sort of a turning point whenever J-Kid went public with this frustration. And hopefully this time it's it's the same sort of thing because, you know, you would hate for one of those aces, you know, you, you finally play like your best card. You would hate to just fall on deaf ears. You know, nothing happens. All you've done is kind of, you know, cause a rift or cause doubt or whatever, or said bad things about your your players publicly. You're trying to motivate these guys. Yeah, I think that's fantastic recall. I forgot the way that that had all unfolded. Um, and again, I you know the the with this personnel line, I, I would maintain that they have the same kind of personnel they had last year. That they became a really solid defensive team. And then I think even this year, we threw the stats up last night. I don't remember what they were before those guys started missing time, but they are now twenty seventh in deficient defensive efficiency and. And so it's a stark contrast. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with semantics. They have the guys to play defense, but then it's not just those guys. Luca's got to do it. Tim's got to do it. You know, even a guy like Jaden Hardy, hey, Jaden, if you're going to get these minutes, you've got to do it. So it's, it's, it's trying to set that tone and trying to set that culture. And, um, I mean, to me, it's like I look at it as the way I felt a couple of weeks ago when I was under the impression that Maxie wasn't coming back till the playoffs to now it's like, kind of feels like Maxie could be back pretty soon. Uh, and I go, okay, give me Maxie and Dorian and Reggie and, and Josh. And we, and, and the way Christian's been contesting shots and, you know, we know what Dwight's about. I mean, I, I feel like this can be a competitive defensive team. They just have to go do it. And the thing is, They've been very good. The show's called Numbers on the Board, so I'm gonna I'm about to give you a number, all right, for your board. Okay. Yep. The threshold for what constitutes like winning basketball, or at least basketball that is good enough to give them a really good chance to win, is so low because their offense is so good, and because outside of Atlanta game and a couple others, they generally don't turn the ball over, and they they play pretty mistake free basketball and all these things. So if you just don't allow the other team to score a gazillion points. They're going to win. This year, in 15 games, as of that Atlanta game, they gave up 118 points per possession or more 15 times, right? Hmm. They are 2-13 and 13 in those games. So their 15 worst defensive games of the year, 2-13. and 13. Now, why is 118 the number that I picked? I didn't just pull it out of my butt. It is because that is what the worst defense in the NBA plays. That's the Spurs mm-hmm. and the Pistons. They allow 118 points per 100 possessions whenever the Mavs don't allow the worst what the what the worst defense of the NBA would allow per game they're 22 and 9 they're winning like way more than two-thirds of their games they're winning 70 percent of their games this year whenever they just don't play the worst defense in the NBA on any given night and so like they don't need to be now if they're top 10 defense that would rule okay they're they're gonna win a gazillion games probably get home court in the west or whatever but they only need to be average. They only need to be 20th. Like, they don't need to be that good. Like, we're not, we're not saying, like, you've got to stop LeBron. Like, no, you just have to not be the worst, and they're going to win. So that's what J.K. is saying. It's like, you got to participate, man. you got to try. Like, let's act, like, you have to make it at least kind of hard on the other team because when you do, we're darn near undefeated. 
Yeah, it, you're right. Uh, that, hearing you break it down like that really puts the picture in the frame. Hey, guys, just don't suck the worst and then go win <laughs> 60% of 65% of your games. Um, but that that is about competition. And, and I, I, you know, first of all, uh, Atlanta played well. I don't want to make this all about Dallas and not give credit to Atlanta. But you can, like, look out on the floor and see certain guys are competing on the defensive end of the floor way more than others. And for uh, this thing to work, they all have to do it. And I, and I think that there that's why there's so much attention paid to whenever Luca plays defense. Like, there's rushing out to talk about it. And, hey, look at this. And here's 10 stories about it and all this stuff because it matters. You know, if he's going to be competing defensively and take pride in that, there is a ripple effect and no one expects Luca to go shut people down, but he's such a cerebral player. And, you know, I know we've talked about this on this show, the, the basketball IQ of anticipation can make up for a lot of uh, just say natural deficient uh, defensive deficiencies. You can be smart defensively and put yourself in the right position to get stops. And he's got that. And so when he's involved in getting stops, everybody else does it. Yep. I mean, everybody else does it. And so it's part of an accountability and a culture. And Jason Kidd knows that. And we don't have enough offensive weapons to just go out gun everybody. Defense has to be a part of this thing. Got to help carry the day. It's at least got to yeah. be a part of it. Like you said, it doesn't have to be the main right. course, but yeah, at least you need a little bit of macaroni and cheese size amount of defense, you know? Yes. Uh, Delicious. I'm not asking for a porterhouse here. Okay. I don't even like steak all that much. Just give me salmon and I'm good. Or some sea bass. I'm hungry. Skin. I caught you a delicious bass. Oh, thank. Oh, dude, that is so sweet. And also, thank you, Napoleon. You're welcome. Twelve of those fifteen games, by the way, twelve of their fifteen worst defensive performances of the year have come since December 9th. December tenth, rather. December 9th was the last game that Josh Green played, starting with that December tenth game in Chicago. Since then, it's been t- very, very bad. Um, yeah. Josh Green, Maxi Kleba a few days after that, Dorian Finney-Smith a few days after that. Now, two of those guys made their long, long-awaited return to action against Atlanta. Josh Green, his return after missing 20 games with an elbow sprain. It must have been some sprain. I'm not really sure exactly what happened with that, but it must be very, extremely gnarly uh, for him to miss that much time. Dorian Finney-Smith played his first game since December 19th. Um, what were your impressions of, of seeing those guys? I know there was a little rust probably with Dorian's jump shot and Josh in the first quarter had like a five trillion. He just had zero stats, but then it felt like as the game kind of went on, they, they both started making more plays. Yeah. I think, you know, and Harp kind of pointed this out, it's going to be easier for Josh to acclimate than Dorian because his whole game is just this explosive athletic energy. And he did that immediately there was one play where, man, he just launched himself at the basket and did this like double clutch maneuver. And he was tracking down, you know, loose balls and all these things. So that sort of, you know, impact is immediate. With someone like Dorian, you know, it's so hard to be gone that long and then just come out and knock down shots. He did make his first uh, and then missed, missed several more after that. But then, you know, I thought he made his presence felt on the offensive glass, especially late in the game. Uh, second half, he had some huge offensive rebounds. So uh, it was just uh, a tremendous boost. Also, when you just look at it as just reinforcements and cavalry and having more bodies and more energy, you know, you really start 
worrying about guys grinding down when you have to tighten your rotation so much. I mean, man, kudos to Spencer. I, I just don't think we talk enough about all the stuff that that guy does for this team. Uh, and he's going to be so much better not playing as many minutes and Luca not playing as many minutes and on and on. So having Dorian and Josh back and they showed you immediately how they could contribute and be worthy of minutes and the timing with which Reggie Bullock is now knocking down jumpers. I don't expect him to hit eight threes, uh, but he was good again last night. And that is a fantastic feeling to have more guys contributing. I mean, we didn't even have Tim last night. So to have more of these guys contributing, it shows you what the team can be. And it's like, there's the defense last night and there's the loss. But I actually came out of last night's game feeling really positive because you can see how things could get better really quickly here in the coming weeks by bringing the, these guys back into the mix. Yeah, and not coincidentally, in that Atlanta game, the Mavs turned, they forced 12 turnovers and turned those 12 turnovers into 21 points. They also grabbed their most, they don't rebound a lot on the offensive end. They don't really rebound a lot on the defensive end either, but on the offensive <laughs> end, uh, they had a lot of second chance points. Like you said, Dorian had a couple big ones in the third quarter when they went on a run. Josh Green had an offensive rebound. They had one of their better second chance points games of the last couple months as well. And so uh, mm -hmm. generally when you have guys that make hustle plays, uh, hustle plays kind of help win games. And yes. it was nice to have two guys that do those back. But okay, coming up next... We're going to talk about one guy that unfortunately got hurt the night when two of his teammates came back. And then another guy who took Skin's job for a night. I don't know. That was really weird and uh, made it all about himself. He stole the show and told us that he's coming back soon. We'll dive into health injury updates on Christian Wood and on Maxi Kleba next on Numbers on the Boards, 97 won The Freak. Welcome back to Numbers on the Boards, part of Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak. I'm Bobby. He's Skin. Skin is a smoothie, food, or a drink? Wow. Um, I think it's a delicious food drink that, I mean, well, what is a shake? I think, Am I supposed okay. to have all the answers well, here? I'm, really I'm the one that asked you the question. I'm, I'm the one that asked you the question. Is a shake okay. any different than just a scoop of ice cream? I think that a I think that a smoothie is a drink. And I think a shake is a drink. And I, the reason I know this is because it comes in a drink cup and it can be used as part of a meal combo of some kind. See, you're very wise, but I think I want to disagree with you because you can have a smoothie for breakfast or heck a smoothie for lunch. I'll even go. You could have a smoothie for dinner. I'm not sure well, that you can have water for breakfast. That's not, that's not valid. I've had bourbon for breakfast, so <laughs> I don't know that you've proven anything here, but I'm the beacon of health. Well, I could go for a nice, uh, I could go for a nice bourbon for breakfast one thirty tip off on Sunday. Maybe I'll. Who knows what state I'll be in when I arrive to the game for that one? That dude, that is the best news. I was so I was, you know, dude. I'm Mavericks first, but Cowboys in the playoffs. I was like, all right, how do I turn my brain off and avoid this? And Ben was like rubbing it. And he goes, hey, I'm gonna throw a Cowboy watch party uh, at the brewery, so we'll have a Cowboy watch party. He goes, we'll have the Mavs on too, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, you jerk. And then when the time moved, I was like, I called Ben. I go. I am leaving the post game set 
I'm getting in my car and I'm driving straight to Salina in my suit to come join you for the <laughs> Cowboy Watch Party after the Mavericks beat the Clippers on Sunday. That's right. Well, take a take a change of clothes with you at least. What okay. if it goes okay? Let me let me riddle you this. What if the game yeah. goes into like triple overtime? Are you sticking around or are you gonna like? I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, for the Mavs? Yeah. Oh, I'm broadcasting, so I'm definitely sticking around. Octuple overtime. I'm talking. Yeah, so I'm. I'm there. Twelve OTs. I'm there. That's I'm dedication. Absolutely there. Wow, that is that is dedication. Because oh. wait, well, let's think about this. We got a one thirty tip. I mean, realistically, the things post game will be over at four thirty. So that's still an hour. So even if they go into overtimes, we got padding. We're fine. Oh, that's enough time. That's enough yeah. time. You'll be there for kickoff. You'll be yes. in your seat for uh, the the opening drive of the the game. The Cowboys are the four the Forty ers See, I'm a Cowboy. I I'm an, I know my football. They're playing the Forty ers Oh my God, you're really not engaged with this, are you? I'm really, I'm really not engaged. Uh, I saw the <laughs> it's film. It's not Michigan Wolverine football. It's, you it's don't not. Care. It's not. No, I saw the film Babylon during the Cowboys Bucks game, so that lets you know where my priorities are. Uh, skin. Yeah, that's not very good, is it? <laughs> I don't want to, I'm not one to bash other people's art. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I would not, uh, 15 bucks could get you a lot of other stuff in life. That's what I'll say. Whenever something is not very good, I say, I'm not one to judge other, other people's work. Yeah. See, there you go. Uh, don't criticize, create. So we are making this podcast, uh, as my, as my outlet for how bad Babylon was. Um, <laughs> so skin, Christian Wood has been, we talked about him in the first segment, his defense has been, you know, much, much improved over the last month as the Mavs have dealt with a myriad injuries. Now all of a sudden they're getting healthy, but lo and behold, Wood unfortunately suffered a fracture in his left thumb against Atlanta. Uh, Mavs PR came out on Thursday and said, uh, announcing the injury, that he will be reevaluated next week. And now... Hand fractures can be very, very tricky. Thumb fractures are a little different, obviously, because the thumb is just one finger as opposed to the whole system. But the thumb is a joint. Thumbs are very important. It's not on a shooting hand. It's like there are some reasons to be a little optimistic. Then you look around the league, a guy like Demonis Sabonis, who's having an unbelievable season for the Kings. He fractured a thumb earlier this year and did not miss much time. In fact, a, a few guys have come back in less than like five or six games. And so... Maybe reevaluation means that he'll just be back in action. Um, but I think you and I can both agree that if it is beyond just a next week thing, then that is a major, major bummer. Yeah, a couple things. Number one, I love the uh, promo coming up on today's show. Bobby Corella with the hot opinion that thumbs are important. <laughs> um, I mean, they are. Yeah, I know. You know so I'm, here to, I'm here to tell the truth, the, man. You are. You're bringing the heat. There, there is uh we've seen how taxed the wing depth has been man they have way less depth up front they just don't have the bodies um you know and and i think they wanted to have more minutes from javel and he's had his uh some games especially recently uh where where he he played a big role but you know there with maxi going out uh, and there's no Christian. I don't know exactly when Maxie's coming back, but I think I need him a little bit sooner now. So let's ex, you know, get that expedited. Uh, they're super thin there, dude. They are super thin. So, uh, they can't go too long without Christian. They really, really need him. Uh, and you know, what about the end of the Laker game? 
Christian Wood blocking shots at the end of the Laker game. He's made some really big key defensive plays that have helped sealed wins. So he needed. Uh, so hopefully it's even like the kind of thing where they can get a, a you know, a, whatever it is, a splint or whatever you call that thing on there and protect it. It's on his left, right? It's not Correct. a shooting hand. Correct. It is on his yeah. left hand. But you saw, I mean, how often do you see guys block shots like you go, you're taught whenever you're seven years old, if you're defending a right-handed player, they go up to shoot, you can test it with your left hand, you know, yeah. and you're going to rebound and you're, it, it happened in such a, a weird like play. He just literally just two guys ran into each other. I mean, your hands are just, they're everywhere in basketball. You're poking balls loose, you're grabbing rebounds, you're jostling. There's, there's jerseys that your thumb could get stuck in. I mean, it's just, it's, it's. I don't know. It is pretty freaky. So you don't want to rush back from it. But like you said, man, I mean, they they do not have the depth up front to 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 deal with this sort of thing. But especially, I think it is even more complicated now because Wood is finally really kind of consistently making the correct play out of these traps on Luka every time. A couple months ago, like the Mavs were like DNPing him essentially in those games. Like you think back to the Denver game, the Toronto game, like Wood barely played in those games because Dwight Powell was kind of the guy on these short rolls against these these double teams against Luka that could always make the right play. Well, now Wood has developed that that rapport with Luka. You think he had seven assists on Christmas. Like he's making all these right plays all the time now and can still score and can pick and pop or roll, uh, get on offensive rebounds, you know, block shots and rebound and all that stuff. Um, it just felt like at like this is like the probably the best he's been at both ends of the floor. And so for it to happen right now, especially as the team is getting healthy, like it, it just sucks. I don't really know what else to say. Uh, there's just not many other players really in the NBA, but there's, there's really no other players on this roster that can replicate what he can do at both ends of the floor, uh, which is a problem because now you're finally in a position to where you can keep teams from scoring and you have 20 points per game. Uh, burning a hole in your pocket and you just got to kind of uh, figure out what you're supposed to do to, to, to fill that gap. Yeah. And obviously the, these are the times where we, we go, man, we are sure glad to have you, Dwight. God bless you. Um, he had some really good passes last night in the middle of that floor, uh, some tough passes. And, you know, you're talking about the development of his decision-making in that regard. It's coming to him. He's such a key guy and you put, him and Luca together in that situation and teams have a really tough decision to make because he can go all the way. He can be middle of the floor guy. He can score. There's um that that's a tough loss for this particular team. He's very much needed. He had grown into that role. He was proving, uh, I would say he would seem to be from the outside perspective, earning the coaching staff's trust. Uh, that's bad timing, man. It sucks. Um, so reevaluated in a week. Hopefully that reevaluated means, you know, we miss him for a week and then they can get a, a splint on it. But, dude, he's needed. And and the way he's played the last couple of weeks and you start, um, you know, hoping for idealized health, then you start thinking about the end of games going, well, the three people I have to have on the floor are Maxi, Luca, and Christian. And then the rest of it is, you know, who's defending and playing offense. I would assume Spencer would be a part of that. And then is Dorian out playing Reggie? Did Josh work his way in the final fourth quarter minutes? It's like you can really see how games would end when it gets down to the critical part of the season. And now that's uh, that's lost for a little bit. Yeah, that that trio that you mentioned, Luca, Wood, Maxi, when they're on the floor together this season, the Mavs are like plus fifteen, plus twenty points per one hundred. Like they are awesome because both of those guys can shoot. 
Both of them can roll. Both of them can block shots. And you got Maxi that can switch. So they're just super versatile at both yeah. ends of the floor. And then Luca can just find whoever's open. Very, very, very important three guys to the Mavs. And now they'll be without both of them uh, for at least a week. Now, I always catch the Bally Sports Southwest pregame, okay? Whether I'm at home, I'm watching it, or if it's, uh, if it's a home game and I'm in the press box, it's on TV. And last night I looked up and I noticed, as always, there was a handsome man with just a perfect beard. Um, sitting in one of the analyst seats. And now normally that's you. But against yes. that, I'm thinking that he looks a lot taller than skin and he looks a lot more German than skin. Well, it was Maxi Kleba and he shared, he broke some news on your station, man. I, I'm, I feel like you're such a good dude just in general to me and to everybody else, you know, but you're even generous to, to the big guys, like to the stars. You're generous. <laughs> you're like, Maxi, sure. Take, take a shift, man. Have a seat. There's not a, a reasonable person alive that would rather have me on that show than Maxi. So I think uh, I think that was a no-brainer. But yes, spill the beans. What did he tell us, Bobby? Uh, we said a lot of things. He actually described the injury in in very very fine detail, talking about how like there's a little almost like a tendon or a little piece of muscle that kind of like coiled up and rolled up his entire hamstring, which just sounds. Very freaky. And he said yes. the the exact term he used was it felt very weird. That is how <laughs> he described it. So he went and got it checked out. So he, he described the, the injury. Of course, he did go under the knife, like within the last 30 to, four, to 40 days. And Jason Kidd said that uh, he compared the injury, at least, to the one that Chris Middleton suffered whenever Kidd was coaching the Bucks. Middleton was there at the mm -hmm. time. And Middleton missed like four or five months. And so whenever that surgery happened, we all just sort of assumed, oh, I mean, he's probably not going to play for the rest of the year, maybe for the playoffs if the Mavs are able to get that far and his rehab is on time and everything. But, dude, Maxi said he could be back before the All-Star break. Like, the most optimistic whispers I was hearing like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, was that he could maybe play at some point this season, right? But after the yeah. All-Star break. But now, Maxi's saying... First off, while I'm on the Jumbotron right next to him, sorry for talking over you, man. I know it's really hard. It must be really hard to concentrate whenever you got me just screaming in the mic on the Jumbotron. This is like me watching me. Very strange. Bob hold Sergeant. on, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you something. There is nothing distracting about Bobby Carella on that Jumbotron. Chris Arnold, however, is a very <laughs> animated fella. And I love CA. I've worked, you know, he and I have been, partners with the Mavericks and partners at radio. And I, there's very few people I love more than CA, but we hit the air at the exact same moment that Chris Arnold is exploding out of a rocket oh, into yeah. the arena. It oh, is yeah. loud. Oh, dude, baby. he brings the energy, he's, man. He's supposed to, no, but he's doing his job. He's supposed to do that. He's not, he's doing it for the people in the arena. You know, whatever we have going in our headsets, that's our own issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, but no, Chris brings the juice, man. And, and Max, oh, he's yeah. a true pro. He never like, he never broke concentration. He never stuttered. I've said um and like way more uh, than he did. And I'm the experienced one or the experience, the pro, the pro. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's extremely, extremely best case scenario that I thought even two weeks ago was that he was going to play at some point before next October. Right. And right. now all of a sudden the all-star break is like in two or three weeks, which means yeah. we could live in a world where Maxi comes back before 
Christian Wood. And and we just talked about all the things that the Mavs are going to miss without Wood. They miss many of those same things and have missed many of those same things without Maxi for more than a month now. And so him getting back on the floor, first off, extraordinary job by the medical team, doctors, strength conditioning, Maxi, all that stuff. But also, my God, how badly he's needed out there. Yeah, and, and I would even think, you know, because of the nature of the injury of what he's coming back from, you know, when he comes back, you've got to be only playing like 15 minutes a night at first, right? You know, maybe 20. And he's not, he's a, you don't want him to be a big heavy minute guy anyways, but he's an uh, integral part of the rotation. So him coming back sooner than I think a lot of the media anticipated is fantastic news. He is such a important part of this thing because of the, the way that we started this whole conversation, which was Jason Kidd calling out, um, the the personnel of this team and what they're capable of defensively. He's certainly one of the three or four guys that's capable of more. Uh, and so they need him. They need him. They, we've had, they have their rebound issues. Well, uh, your rebound issues will be better if Christian Wood, Maxi Kleba, and Luka Doncic are all on the floor together and Dorian are on the floor together, right? So he solves a lot of issues and helps them have flexibility with their lineups. So, man, having Maxi back sooner rather than later is just huge. And the other component of this, and, and this was apparent without Dorian and Josh as well, so this is not, not unique to Maxi in any way, but whenever you have good, above-average, great defensive players on the floor, you can really kind of simplify what you're doing on defense, right? You think back to when the Mavs played the Clippers uh, last week on the West Coast road trip. It was like Tim or Luca or Spencer Dinwiddie. Frank Nilakina, Reggie Bullock guarding Kawhi Leonard. They had to send all sorts of exotic double teams at Kawhi, and they really had to just like – you had to throw the kitchen sink. They're playing like they're the Toronto Raptors, right, guarding these guys. Right. The Mavs right. are not that, right? Like the Mavs want to protect Luka. They want to protect Denwitty. They even want to protect Christian Wood. Well, you can't do that if all the guys that are going to be protecting, all the bodyguards are out hurt, right? But if you have Dorian, Green, Maxi, Bullock, like you have these guys, especially multiple of them, on the court at the same time, you never have like a huge target on the back. You're never super duper afraid of any one particular guy because you always now have one or two players that can guard them. If Christian Wood is your big and Damian Lillard is the guard or like, you know, uh, LeBron or Giannis, you don't want Wood switching onto that guy. But there's arguably like there aren't many other players. I I don't want to say arguably none, but there are not many other players in the NBA who over the last couple of years have done a better job, and you think Zion in 2020, and Giannis, whenever the Bucks were in Dallas a month ago, right before Maxi went out, then Maxi, he can switch on to those big guys. He can switch on to guards. He can be the center and protect the rim. So he just is like the ultimate Swiss Army knife, right? Like he can be whatever mm-hmm. you need him to be on defense, whether it's rim protection, whether it's switching on the smalls, whether it's playing Kawhi or Giannis or Zion one-on-one making plays in transition. Like, he can just do everything. And so uh, they have, yeah, they have really, really, really missed him. And I think, if if anything, this is like the most super homer, silver lining take. But I think if there's any good that has come out of those guys, especially Dorian and Maxi missing so much time, I think it's helped many people who might not have necessarily recognized their value uh, before because like Maxi is a six points and four rebounds per game player or whatever like he's he he never puts up outstanding stat lines right Dorian very same thing nine points five boards but 
like you might not notice them when they're there, but when they're gone, holy cow, their absence jumps off the page. Dude, go back to mid-March to mid-April of last year and look at the general consensus of what the fandom thought of Maxi Kleva. And I get it. Sometimes dudes ain't hitting shots, but that was comical. He had a Reggie Bullock era. He did. <laughs> Second half of and, last year. And then as soon as the playoffs started, everyone got it again. Uh, he's a big-time part of their success. And he does so much. And it just, you know, if you talk to anyone that has played in the league, they will tell you, man, your jump shot comes and goes. Uh, there's certain things though, that you can always do, defend, rebound, pass, et cetera. And uh, Maxi is a very valuable part. And especially, you know, the way this specific team is constructed, he's critical uh, because of that versatility as a big guy and the ability to, you have to consider him if you're the other team. You can't just leave him wide open because he will make threes on you. So uh, he's very important. He's very important uh, with them losing Jalen and Christian being so valuable offensively. He's important to be there with Christian so you can still forge that defensive identity and be a little bigger and stronger inside. Uh, I mean, he he's uber, uber critical. I would argue he's the most important player off the bench for this team uh, when they have their full roster. So, and that's full roster, you know, uh, and, and he get, he's going to get a lot of late fourth quarter minutes because of that. So dude, he could not have come back at a better time, yeah. especially with Christian going down. So yeah. Yeah. So get well soon play. to both of those guys. Cause the Mavs need him to compete and to keep yeah. winning games or, or to start winning games, I guess is probably the, unfortunately the way we should frame it. We don't have right. too much time left, Skin, but I do want at least one minute from you on your Jaden Hardy experience. Put up 25 points against Portland last weekend. Has kind of come along pretty quickly here. Did not get many games, uh, many minutes against Atlanta and Dorian and Josh's return, but Hardy still has put up some pretty impressive lines here the last month or so. It's exciting. This team needs him to be... He needs to do for the Mavericks what Anthony Simons does for the Portland Trailblazers uh, or, you know, to some degree, Bones Highland, right? They have to hit on some young guys and to hit on young guys, you know, that they got later, you know. Uh, and I just think him and Josh Green are so important to the development of this thing as they continue to grow as an organization. He, he obviously still has to learn how to play basketball, but he knows how to stick the ball in the bucket. And that is a valuable commodity. And I, I think, you know, you can see, especially, you know, there's going to be more opportunity for him this year, but I think you can see, especially going into next year, the idea of, all right, Jaden Hardy is going to be our instant offense off the bench. And I would not be surprised one bit if next year Jaden Hardy is averaging 15 or 16 a game Woo! coming off the bench in that role. This is his year to learn. And uh, next year, I think it'll be his job. I think it'll be his job to come off the bench and be instant offense, not set up other guys, come in and light it up. That is a way better take than saying that smoothies are a drink, man. You really kind of, you came full circle here. You, you, Number you saved one. yourself. Yeah, no, well done. Well done. All right, this was fun, man. Thank you very much, Skin, for joining me today it. on Numbers on the Boards, presented by Fanboys, the official toy store of the Dallas Mavericks. Do not go anywhere. 
on 97.1 The Freak because coming up next, we got the corner three with me, Kat, and Isaac. The party is only just now starting. We'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.